This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Yes? Ho, ho, ha, ha! Remember me, old chum? Jolly devil. But it just says Jason McGuire joined, so we know he's here. There, fair enough. Welcome, Jason McGuire, to THN Cover to Cover for Saturday, July 18th. I almost said June for some reason. My name is Matt Bomb. <laughs> Dude, it could be fucking August for all I know. This is the longest July ever, right? It's still July. How is that even possible? This is crazy. <laughs> but somehow, simultaneously, how can it already be July? Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm ready for this I've dumb been year robbed to be of over. an entire six month period introduce yourself sir i'm i guess i'm the internet's joe patrick i don't know i'm not feeling it really today but here's how it works every saturday morning at 10 30 central matt and i go live on the facebook page to rap about the week's nerd news and then we open the phone lines at 11 for you nerds to play along you can call us at 402-819-4894 you can click our facebook call now button or you can chat with us in the Facebook chat. And if you can't call in live, that's totally fine. You can still play. You can call and leave a message. Or maybe you're trying to call in live and there's some jerk on the phone like, JD, got to catch, and he won't shut up, and he's just taking up all the time. Leave a message. We'll play it later, and we'll talk to you there. I mean, otherwise, keep calling. Keep mashing call. Mash that button. We love it. And uh, maybe live overseas. Maybe your time zones are weird. That's cool, too. Send us an MP3 to 2 nerd at gmail.com, just like Jimmy Randall does every week. We've got one of his coming up later. But you will have to download the actual show to hear it. Sorry, Facebook Live viewers, okay? But, Joey, before we can even get started here, I need you to set us up with some nerd news! After previously touching on Watchmen in his Batman run, Tom King will dive headlong into that world with a 12-issue series spinning off the popular character Rorschach. All right. Created by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. It's about time. Uh, the series will be drawn by uh, occasional Batman artist Jorge Fornes, who is a phenomenal talent wasted on this garbage. Set 35 years after the end of the original Watchmen Limited series and Rorschach's death at the hands of Dr. Manhattan, the 12-issue series opens up with a world which has distrust in superheroes but celebrates Rorschach as a, quote, cultural icon due to his actions in the original volume. It's a little like uh, if, Ad if Alex Jones got violently murdered well, by okay. a superhero, and then 35 years later... Time out. Let's not give that windbag that kind of credit. Rorschach, <laughs> was, Rorschach was a hero. He was just also insane. He was doing what he thought was the right thing, you know? Uh -huh, I mean, uh -huh. Here's a description from DC. So what does it mean when Rorschach reappears as part of a pair of assassins trying to kill the first candidate to oppose President Robert Redford in decades? follow one determined detective as he walks backward in time, uncovering the identities and motives of the would-be killers, taking him deep into a dark conspiracy of alien invasions, disgraced do-gooders, mystical visions, and, yes, comic books. Hey-oh. So, 
let's let's just get right into it. The first time DC decided they were going to bring back a Watchmen property, everybody got mad, we, us included. We're like, there's no reason to do that. It's stupid. And then they decided to bring Watchmen into the DC universe. And we said, don't do it. That's stupid. And then they kind of did, but sort of didn't. And it hasn't been mentioned since it happened. So we don't really know. <laughs> no, it has. It's a major plot point of de- of Dark Knight's death metal. Well, yeah, but what is that? What is Dark Wally, Knight's death Wally metal? Wally West has the power of Dr. Manhattan and spoiler alert in death metal number two, they take Dr. Manhattan's or they do something and turn the Batman who laughs into an evil version of Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> See, they what? called him the, the Batman Hatton who laughs. Is this, ha- but like, again, this is me going to start freaking out about continuity. Where is this happening? Is this happening Look, in the DCU? It doesn't matter where it's happening. <laughs> Death metal is DC's major event for the year. It's I happening. I, uh, fine. It just doesn't feel like, it's actually touching anything in the other DC comics that I'm reading. In fact, it feels like it was Except only for all the tie-ins that are going to sort come of out about touching it. Batman and they took it out of Batman altogether. It's gone. It's in its own thing. Now, you know, the Snyder, it's the Scott Snyder verse, which is look, <laughs> you have to, you have to stop fighting it. It's happening. This is taking place immediately following Tom, uh, immediately following Scott Snyder's run on justice league. And anything that's happening in any other book is incidental until death metal is over and sets up the new status quo of the DCU. And it's all happening before what's going on in death metal right now. Correct. I mean, I guess. Isn't yeah. that what we learned about JLA? Yeah. I think, I think I read something about how they're saying that Jesus. anything that that's going on, not related to the whole thing with Perpetua and the Batman who laughs Ugh. is prior to the events of this, of this. Anyway. Okay. Anyway, that death has metal nothing to aside. do with, them dragging Rorschach back out and right. milking it for 12 inches. Death metal uh, aside. By the way, in case, I don't think I I don't think it was in the uh, opening paragraph, but this is going to be a black label series. Of course. Which even further muddies the waters. Right. And, and this, again, that's where I'm getting, I have no clue what's going on because I will say whatever's going on in Dark Knight Metals sure feels like it should be a black label thing. And Black Label, as I understand it, is not supposed to be part of the other DC stuff. It's not. Rorschach is. Maybe this is just a separate story. We need to get over it. The important, what I'm trying we to say. We can't keep here, having this conversation every week, man. And I'm Black not. Label I'm is, not. <laughs> Black Label is part of DC continuity if they want it to be. That's right. the whole point of Apparently. Black Label. Apparently it is. So, are we still upset? Is it still upsetting when they bring this stuff out and do more Watchmen? Or has that Band-Aid been ripped off and that wound festered and healed and it's an ugly scar now? Do we care? Well, I don't Are know, man. Like, if, if, if somebody kicks your dog and then comes back 30 years later and kicks your new dog. Okay, time out. Did, and then five years after that kicks that dog again. Time out. Yeah, you're going to be upset about it. Did HBO kick your dog? Uh, I mean, no, HBO made an amazing Watchmen story that Alan Moore had nothing to do with, did the, the same qual- exact thing that DC is doing. The but quality of the Watchmen it. show, the quality of the Watchmen show is incidental to the morality of Warner Brothers and HBO deciding to do the show. Yet you would still say that DC kicked your dog and HBO did not. I didn't say that. I said that I look, I enjoyed the Watchmen show. I will be the first to admit it. I will be the first to admit that they took something uh, and exceeded all expectations with it. Should they have made it? 
probably not. I am over being upset for Alan Moore because Alan Moore has divorced himself from this altogether. And that's his choice. And I support him. I don't care at this point if they make more Watchmen stuff, quite honestly. I'll read this and I'll bet it's going to be good. I, I like Taylor and I think Rorschach is an interesting character for him to write and it's do something with. King, it's Tom King. Pardon me, Tom King. I, you know, I don't feel... I don't feel anything about it anymore. Maybe they've just like poked this wound too much, but I, I don't feel anything about it anymore. My biggest concern is what is it? <laughs> That's what I get upset with. Okay. That's all I'm yeah. saying. I, I feel like we're, we're past it now. It sucks, but we're past it. You know? Uh, you mean, I don't, I don't think that everybody involved would agree. I, I just, I think, <clears throat> As time goes on, they, they keep doing these projects. Like, look, I read Doomsday Clock. I thought it was pretty good. We both loved it. Uh, but am I annoyed that they keep bringing Watchmen out and shoving it into places where it doesn't belong, like into the mainstream DC universe? Yes. Despite the express wishes of its creators. Yeah, I am annoyed by it. I, I am annoyed by it. I don't want that. I agree. I don't want them in DC continuity. But I just don't think at this point I can't square the circle where I'm okay with the HBO series and it was absolutely amazing and I'm not okay with DC doing it anymore. They have the right to do it if they want to. I don't care for it. Yes, they they have the legal yeah. right to do it and if they want to. Unfortunately, that's where it and ends. And they're absolutely morally in the wrong about it. <laughs> like there was uh, there was a creator. I, I forget who the creator was. Somebody on Twitter asked. Hey, can you please explain it to me? Why everybody's so mad about DC trotting out Watchmen stuff? Like, I don't get it. And the guy was like, well, I'll let the creators speak for themselves. And it was two screenshots from an interview that Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons did for, I think the comics journal, uh, in 1986 and, uh, or 1987. And they talked about like, yep. In a year's time, uh, if DC decides not to do anything with it, the, we'll get the rights back and then we'll get to do what we want, if we want, blah, blah, blah. And then Dave Gibbons said something like, well, we certainly have no plans to do Watchmen 2 and we, we kind of trust DC not to abuse it. Like, it's not like they're going to make a Batman crossover with... with they're not going to make a Batman crossover gotcha. with Rorschach. No, I, and like, I literally, those were his exact words. And in I this get article. It. This is like weekend at Bernie six where Bernie's corpse, like slowly got more and more disgusting and decrepit, but we all just <laughs> kept laughing and didn't even notice. Cause it happened kind of slowly. And then suddenly it was just like, Oh God, these guys are necrophiliacs. They're literally just spending time with a corpse. You know, <laughs> it, it's the same type thing for me. It just doesn't feel sacred or special anymore. And I, I stopped caring. I guess, which is not a good I place to be. You, I think that you need to do some self-reflection if that's the case. Yeah. I just stopped caring about it. And it's almost easier for me to just go, Oh, big shock. DC is trying to cash in on the success of a Watchmen show that happened almost two years ago, right in time, DC. Good job. You heard it here <laughs> first guys. Matt bomb doesn't care about creators rights. <laughs> so you got me next uh, Rorschach is scheduled to launch on October 13th. It'll be a mature readers, 17 plus black label title colored by Dave Stewart. Make your own choice. Who gives a shit? No, but I, here's, I'm, I'm, uh, I am just so exhausted by this final sort of thought on this, whether right or wrong, if you're going to do a Rorschach title, then black label is the place to do it right now. That makes sense. It's an adult book. Rorschach's an adult character. I get that. But why Dr. Batman Hatton is running around? My God. 
I, I have no clue what's happening there. <laughs> I don't either. From the Grant Morrison desk, NBC Universal is getting into the comic book business and they're enlisting Grant Morrison and Boom Studios to help. NBC Universal's subsidiary Universal Content Productions, that's UCP as the cool kids call it, they have a TV production company that has launched several different shows like they worked on Happy, they worked on, what's some of the other stuff they did? I'm losing it. I jumped around. I apologize. They worked on Happy. They worked on Grant Morrison's Brave New World adaptation that is on Peacock. And in, I think the first episode just dropped this week. So this is not their first foray, but this is their first foray into comics. UCP also well, has a division. They also worked on Umbrella Academy, Deadly Class, and yeah. the upcoming Resident Alien show. They sort of produce this stuff. They also have an audio company that does podcasts and they do fictional podcasts like they did one that spun out of Mr. Robot, I guess. I've not listened to it, but the first project under the deal is an ongoing series titled Proctor Valley Road, and it's written by Grant Morrison and screenwriter Alex Child. The artist has not been named as of yet. UCP graphics have lined up Boom to publish the series. So these are just going to be Boom comics. This isn't like like how Legend, you know, comics or Legend Studios, the film company, has a comic company that puts out Godzilla stuff. For no, it's like a, I mean, you could call it an imprint, I suppose. Fair enough. Variety, which published the or announcement. Or a studio. Yeah. Variety, which published the announcement, said UCP graphic would be for up and coming talent, although we don't think Morrison would be considered up and coming. He's a fresh face. He's a fresh face <laughs> newcomer, Matt, and I'm excited to see what he has for us. He's been around for a little while. Proctor Valley Road tells the story of a group of teenage girls suspected in the disappearance of several teen boys in a 1964 California beach town reads Variety's description of the book in real life. There is a Proctor Valley road in San Diego County, California that has been the subject of urban legend for deaths and even a Proctor Valley monster as written up in local newspapers. Let me ask you, does this seem a little backwards to you? Like I can see, NBC saying, hey, let's sign a deal with Boom to take some of the ideas for original stuff they have and bring it to TV. But to take new ideas and put them in a comic, I'm not slamming comics here. But what's the point? <laughs> You've already got a TV studio. Like, I get that Warner Brothers it has a comics division and they can take those characters and put them in TV and movies and stuff like this. But it feels like NBC is going, hey, we want to be a similar kind of content engine. Let's go backwards instead of just borrowing this stuff from Boom, you know, or buying the rights to something. Well, Matt, here's a quote from UCP studio president Don Olmsted. <laughs> Similar to our strategy with launching UCP Audio, we want to offer storytellers the opportunity to create for multiple content platforms, including graphic novels. Right. Our goal is for UCP to be a home for great storytelling, no matter the medium. So, no, it's not backwards. Okay. I mean... God bless them. More comics or more like, comics. Let's like, like saying like Warner Brothers doesn't only do TV shows. They also do movies. They do video games. They do all sorts of shit. No, I get it. But they also had a lot of years where they built off all this stuff. They built up a studio where they could take stuff from their comics department, from their animation department, wherever. Reach out and grab it and go, yeah, we're going to make a show out of this. And NBC is now, I mean, I guess they're not really creating one because they're just working with Boom. It just seems like an interesting choice to me. It just seems odd. I don't know why people are trying to get into the business now where you've already got it somewhat established and we're seeing 
content going the other way from comics to TV. You know what I mean? I don't understand your hesitation. Like, why would they only want to do one thing? I'm not saying they only want to do one thing. I'm saying they already have people doing this thing. Why not just go get it and make shows out of it? Why are we deciding to take Because they want to create original content for multiple platforms. Fair enough. Including graphic novels. Well, you say it's for up-and-comers, too, and Grant Morrison is your first guy. Is he shepherding yeah, this or like... You're going to launch it with some nobody? No, you're going to launch it with the biggest <laughs> name you can get. I suppose. And and you don't think that when this comic book comes out and it's a hit that they're not going to fast track it for a TV show? No, that's just it. Like, why? that's what I'm saying. Why not skip this and just make the TV show? Why not do both? Because more people will watch TV and then if it's a success, you can go backwards and make a comic for cheaper, whatever. I don't know. Why would it be cheaper? Or maybe they're going to storyboard it this way and it goes to television. You think it would be cheaper if Grant Morrison came up with an original idea for a TV show? No. What I'm saying is. It was is a huge success the and then they shows, hired him to write a comic book about it. Yes, because you could coat, ride the coattails of that show and your comic is guaranteed to sell a little But it wouldn't be cheaper better. if it's a success already. The point being, you have a successful property. This is following in tow to that and will sell more comics because of that. Now you're just taking a risk. And telling an original story that will sell on either Grant Morrison's name or nothing. Uh, yeah. That's and? all I'm saying. It just seems like a weird gamble to take. Well, I'm sure that they can handle the risk, Matt. It's a huge multinational corporation. <laughs> I suppose. I have not watched any of the Brave New World yet on the Peacock. I think UCP is a dumb name and they should call this Peacock Mix, personally. Oh boy, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, NPC no, no. Peacock Mix. <laughs> uh, the only thing I've watched on Peacock other than reruns of Battlestar Galactica is uh, is Psych 2, uh, the movie, which was delightful in every way, and I was very happy to watch it. Fair enough. Does that mean I have the Peacock too? Is that right? No. Peacock oh. is a free app. Get it yourself. Oh, I didn't know it was free. I thought you had to pay for it. I, well, you can pay for it, but I don't think it's worth paying for right now. Oh, fair enough. All right, so more comics coming from Grant Morrison and Boom Studios and NBC, I guess. I'm going to call it Peacock Mix until the end of time. You heard it here first. Matt Baum doesn't want Grant Morrison to make any more comic books, guys. <laughs> he got that right. Straight to TV. <laughs> He's just full of controversial hot takes this week. It just seems to me that Morrison is at a point now where if he he's making a TV show, why not just make this a TV show too? I don't get it. Just let the man create. God, for, for I'm the fine love with of creation, Pete, man. I love him. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Even though the last stuff he worked on left me kind of baffled. But it, I do love Green Lantern. That's been great. There you go. From the Samurai Desk, Netflix is making an animated series inspired by the Usagi Yojimbo comics titled Samurai Rabbit colon The Usagi Chronicles. This news comes from Deadline. Samurai Rabbit will tell a new story set in the same universe as Stan Sakai's long-running comic series. The show will follow the teen rabbit Yuichi, a descendant of the great samurai and star of the comics Miyamoto Yusagi, as Yuichi attempts to live up to the family legacy. He's joined in his journeys by, quote, a roughish bounty hunter, or maybe that's roguish. A roguish bounty hunter, <laughs> a cunning ninja, an acrobatic pickpocket, and a faithful pet lizard. Roughish. So he's like, oh, let's that go with kind, roughish. That yeah, kind of hurts. Ooh, my cuticles. Ow. <laughs> I'm tough, but that hurts. <laughs> uh, the comic series Yusagi Yojimbo takes place in feudal Japan or a version of that where everybody is an anthropomorphic animal. 
But it looks like Samurai Rabbit will bring the timeline forward a few hundred years to a setting that blends the high-tech imagery with a classical Japanese aesthetic. Uh, Sakai will executive produce the show, along with The Conjuring Universe producer James Wan and his company, Atomic Monster Productions. Let me ask you. Uh, We don't know. Let me ask you real quick. Yep. Would you be more excited if this was just Usagi Yojimbo? Just an animated Usagi Yojimbo? No, I'm actually kind of happy that Stan Sakai is is continuing to be the one to tell Usagi Yojimbo stories. Fair enough. I don't know. I just, uh, when I first glanced at this, I was like, kick ass. Yes, animated Usagi Yojimbo. And then I went, huh? In the future? It's like his descendant and stuff. And like part of me just sort of felt like, well, this could turn into a real schlocky, lame 90s cartoon real fast. I doubt it will. Netflix is going to put money behind it, obviously. I hope well, it's S- cool. Sakai is heavily involved and the dude's getting paid. So this is I'm glad nothing getting wrong paid. with any of this. I just kind of wish it was just Usagi Ujimbo comment, you know, cartoon. Pardon me. I, I had that thought, but I just, I came down on the side of, you know, let's, let's Stan Sakai have his thing. Let him do his story. Sure. He is the storyteller of Usagi Ujimbo. And he's the executive producer here. So he's obviously okay with this. Well, Yeah. Uh, we we don't have any word yet on when Samurai Rabbit's going to hit Netflix, but something did drop this week that was heavily inspired by Usagi. Uh, Sucker Punch Productions put out a video game called Ghosts of Tsushima. Uh, it came out on Friday. It is Red Dead Redemption if it was a Kurosawa film, and it is amazing. It does look pretty cool. Yeah. It's really, really great. The main character's name is Sakai. And uh, yeah, it is like Yusagi Yojimbo all over that piece. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it's um, so that's, you know, that's a total side little mention for Ghost of Tsushima. But uh, I am totally thrilled for Stan Sakai. Like that dude deserves all the success. And I hope this is a huge thing. And I hope it drives more people to the comic. Yeah, Netflix has been kicking ass on their animated stuff. I mean, as far as like producing original anime and looking for American animation and shit like that, they're going for it. So I fully expect them to throw some money behind this. I'm glad Sky got paid. It's probably gonna look really cool. I just, there's a part of me that would just rather see a Yusagi Yojimbo cartoon. But hey, I'm an old guy and I'm probably wrong. More people are gonna wanna watch the future shit. I get it. That's what the kids well, it's, want. It, it, like, and I don't, I don't, I think we should hesitate to say that it's taking place in the future. I think they just mean closer to present day uh, because feudal, feudal Japan was hundreds of years ago. I mean, fair enough. They sort of made it sound like it's kind of futuristic though. I mean, no, I don't think, I don't think so. I don't know if I, I don't know if I buy that. I'll, I'll like, if they, we'll see what they say, but yeah, like we, we haven't seen anything. I don't High think we've seen any, any imagery art or anything. With classical Japanese aesthetic. That kind of sounds like Blade Runner to me. So I don't know. Well, it also just says bring the timeline forward a few hundred years from right. feudal Japan, which is not like the far flung year 22, 2099 or anything. I suppose it could be 1985. So <laughs> it could be. And hey, guess what? You know what? We're three for three. You heard it here first. Matt Baum doesn't think Stan Sakai deserves there to we get, go. Uh, success yes. from an animated show. There it is. I'm just so sick of these creators. They drive me insane. All right, you got your news. Let's get into it. I want to hear from you guys. But first, before we open the phone lines, Joe Patrick, give me a question of the week. 
This week's question was submitted by Jason Sachs via the THN forums. What's a media favorite that you loved but just slowly lost interest in? Maybe a comic which started at the top of your read list but drifted towards the bottom. A TV show whose first few seasons you loved but which you ignored when new seasons came out. Or a book series for which you suddenly realized there were multiple books you haven't read, even though you used to read them as soon as they dropped. What are those items and why do you think you lost interest? Uh, his example, his wife loved the first few seasons of Grey's Anatomy. And then she lost interest when they started replacing characters. Yeah, what can you do? You know, didn't I feel like a bunch died on that show. It was crazy. All right, the phone lines are open. You're going to hear the phone ringing. Let's get into it. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who dis? JD got a catch. Good morning, JD. We were just making fun of you a little bit ago. How are you today, sir? <laughs> Good. What, what, what were you? It's huh? not important. It's saying? not important. It was just personal stuff about your looks and, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, were, we were body shaming you a little bit ago. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. You know, nothing big. What do you want to rap about? <laughs> uh, well, the answer of the week. Hit us. Let's talk about it. You fell out okay. of love. All right, so yeah, mine is pretty quick and easy. It's Fringe. Yeah, um, I'll give you. The, yes. I loved, I loved the show, and then just around about the part where they really started getting heavy into the mirror universe. Yeah, and it started taking place more over there than over here, and I just, I gave up. Uh, no, I, I, I just gave up. Totally with you. It's like they got, they had such a great thing going, but uh -huh. I almost feel like maybe they just like blew all their ideas too fast and like all right we covered every paranormal thing we wanted to what do we do now and someone's like mirror universe and they're like yeah fuck it do it go <laughs> yeah 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 you know? it's almost like it became a different show it did at a certain point yeah yeah and i'm wondering i bet then, if we look into it the writers changed i'll bet you anything like they lost people probably that, yeah that moved to another show or something and they're like all right what do you think they would have done next and I had an answer to another question. Uh, I think last week, was it BS the three that asked the question about what bad science fact did you get from comics? Yes. He, he said he wanted us to do bad flash facts. As a, uh, yeah. A yeah. Of the week, which yeah. is great. So mine was, okay. So the, the year I started seventh grade for Christmas that year, my mom got me a globe. And it was this really cool globe that you could dial, had dials on the base that you could put in the latitude and longitude, and it would light up a dot on that location on the oh, globe. Oh, that's cool as hell. And it came with a book, and you could look up, the, look up the latitude and longitude for all these locations. I spent way more time than I should have looking for Madripoor. <laughs> Well, let's talk about that for a second. Madripoor is the made up, you know, like, uh, yeah, it's, it's the made up, it's the made up criminal Island in, Asian, the yeah. South, in Southeast Asia in Marvel comics. Wolverine was famous for hanging out there as patch. Right. It's what run by tiger tiger. So what do you think is, um, is there, is there like an actual, you know, uh, Island like that? You know, is there a, a a real version of Madripoor you could think of that we could liken it to? Like, obviously, you know, Metropolis is New York City. So what, what, what? I, I think it's I think it's a cross between Singapore and Hong Kong. OK, because if you actually look at pictures of Hong Kong, it's got that like low town yeah. and then high town. Yeah, they drew you know, that, and they draw you know, Madripoor exactly like, like huge skyscrapers and then weird little and like, then, shanty towns. Yeah. And then, and then pagodas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, 
but then also sing and then obviously the name obviously invokes Singapore. Yeah. So yeah, I'm assuming it's some something like that. Mad report. But yeah, those are those are my answers. There was a time when I was a kid as well where like obviously we knew Gotham wasn't wasn't real and we knew Metropolis mm-hmm. wasn't real, but all the cities in Marvel seem to be like the X-Men lived in Just upstate about. New York. Spider-Man, you know, is hanging out in Queens and, you know, like these are all real places, yeah. right? So Madripoor. Yeah, that's probably real. <laughs> I would assume. Well, I mean, there's also <laughs> Latveria and Genosha and yeah, Wakanda. But, and yeah. Part of me as a kid was like, I'll, maybe Latveria was like an old Russian satellite country that got swallowed or something. I didn't know. Well, I didn't, and, <laughs> and also what's even more confusing is we have Latvia. Yes. Yes. In the real world. <laughs> So you're literally just adding a couple consonants. Right. Whereas like DC would be like, oh, the rogue Middle Eastern nation of Kandak, which is like, okay, that's totally fake. No, no question. Yeah. <laughs> it's or, poorly. Yeah. Made. Yeah. They have can, 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 I mean, Kandak and Kurak. And yeah. Bialia and all sorts of. Bialia sounds delicious, by the way. <laughs> like I, I always go for a good Bialy. Oh, really hard to find. Oh, I thought it was like a prescription drug. <laughs> no, no, it's delicious. It's like, like don't take prescription Bialya if you're allergic to it. <laughs> no, it's a bagel without a hole. Come on, a Bialy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of you guys this time. Just wanted to end with uh, the the writing piece that I referenced last week. Uh, I went up on Medium.com this week. Oh, so nice. Check it out. I put a link out on the Facebook fan group. Kick ass. So everybody awesome. go check that out. Good to talk to you, JD. Right. Have a good one, buddy. Yeah, thanks, buddy. 402-819-4894. We want to talk to you. The phone line is open. I hadn't really thought of that. But yeah, when I was a kid, I just assumed every city that was mentioned in Marvel Comics was real. Genosha obviously was like a new nation they made. You know? So like that one, I, and by that time, I was like getting older and figured out, okay, that's not real. <laughs> Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who this? Hey, it's Frank. Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's going on, Frank? What's you up, in the Frank? car? You driving? I'm in I'm in the car. I'm driving, so I'll, I'll try to keep it quick. Fair enough. Uh, smart enough. Call and answer the question of the week. Hit us. What'd you fall out of love with? So, okay. So, I got, I, I got like, I got a list. I, I post I got a list. I said I got a list. You're a list guy. That's fine. True Blood. I'll, I'll tell you what. The show True Blood is really good in the beginning, and then I hate watched it for the last like three seasons yeah it was just absolutely terrible yeah um and then the flash and then well and then the flash tell you what the flash was excellent for the first three seasons and then it was terrible and surprise surprise they turned it around and actually got good again yeah i quit the flash for um, a little bit and then, because of that yeah 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 the flash the flash was really actually really good this season and then uh, my, my last one, uh, I'm going to go with one more. And this is, this is the opposite. I know, I'm, I'm talking a lot. So <laughs> it's um, Star Trek, Star, Star Trek uh, Enterprise was not so great in the beginning and then got great in the last season. Yeah, I've heard that. It. I never finished it oh, because I, I, I was so um, upset by the first season. I was just like... This Couldn't get past me. the theme song, man. Oh, God, it's terrible. Uh, terrible. Couldn't get past you know, the fair of the skip, heart. <laughs> listen, skip the intro. Watch watch the last two seasons. Skip the intro every time. And then don't watch the last episode of the series. And you're going to love it. <laughs> it's fantastic. Follow, just follow those rules. That, okay. Follow those rules. 
You sound right? exactly like a Smallville fan when you talk like that. They're like, no, there's just rules <laughs> to watching Smallville. If you watch it all, it's terrible. I totally agree. But if you pick and choose certain parts of it, it's the best. <laughs> just ignore the seasons where Lana becomes a Kryptonian witch <laughs> yeah. and you'll be fine. Oh, I, I stopped watching it before then. God, it was so bad. I hate, I was, I yeah, it was hate terrible. Smallville. I hate it. Hate it. All right, Frank, you have a good one, man. You're driving. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye, Frank. 402-819-4894. Uh, the first show that he mentioned, I'm drawing a complete blank because of Smallville. Oh, Enterprise. True Blood. Oh, True Blood. It's the first Sorry. show he mentioned. True Blood, I just couldn't get into it. I know people that that loved it, but everybody I know that loved it says the same thing Frank says. Like, it was great, and then it was just, like, softcore porn with werewolves and vampires, and I was like, ah, fuck it, I'll watch it. (laughs) I've never seen a single second of it. It's something I've just never, I've never watched at all. I watched the first season, and it was fine. I don't know. I mean, like, it, it seemed fine, but it did seem like another one of those shows that I felt like the same way about Spartacus blood and sand where it's just like, okay, I mean, there's a story here and I guess it's kind of interesting, but this really just seems like an excuse to really push the boundaries on what kind of porn can we show on cable, you know, a vehicle for boobs. Yeah. Boobs, butts, dicks, all of it, man. Like they didn't mess around, (laughs) which I'm not like prudish or anything, but you know, when I want to watch cool martial arts, watch a martial arts movie when i want to watch porn i'll get on the internet you know <laughs> i don't need vampires and shit there let's just do our job you know <laughs> thank you for calling thn cover to cover caller who dis tweedly doodly beat gentlemen david robbins calling mr david robbins Hello. how are we today we're doing okay we got uh gonna be spending some time in the hospital today waiting for uh, the girlfriend to get out of surgery in a couple hours okay is everything all right i mean we don't have to get personal but yeah. is everything okay uh, yeah gallbladder thing um oh. like she, she had some imaging that was scheduled for next week had an attack yesterday got uh doctor said go to the er get some imaging they said yeah we're gonna admit you um mm. and they found a gallstone and so she's having surgery today oh boy okay well yeah nothing life-threatening but that's you know we're pulling for you exactly. and her. That's anytime good. They get, they, I, I appreciate that. Anytime you got to deal with anesthesia, it's, it's always serious. Sure. And anytime you got to go to the hospital yeah. during a global pandemic, it's a little scary. So there's that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's talk so, about something more lighthearted, shall we? <laughs> so, um, I was just listening to, uh, the call with, uh, Frank a couple minutes ago. And, uh, I have to agree. Don't watch the last episode of enterprise. Um, and overall the rest of the series is pretty good. I feel like the last episode is just a like a spit in the eye of the entire cast of that series. So I never okay, spoil it. It's it's way too old, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, okay. I, all I know is I've so, constantly heard this that the last episode is so bad. What was wrong? What happened? Okay, so the entirety of the four seasons leading up to it, you keep hearing them talk on the show about chef and the chef this and the chef that and the chef is doing this, and you never see the chef the entire time. The entire four seasons, you never see the chef. Right. In the la- the last episode, you finally see the chef, and it's Riker. What? And the in- the entirety of Enterprise is Riker on the holodeck trying to decide if he's going to stay as commander of the Enterprise 
or take command of his own ship. Oh, my no way. God. No way. Oh, my yes. God. So, <laughs> him cooking meals with holographic representations of all the cast of Enterprise on the holodeck of the Enterprise. And then Troy comes in, and they have a conversation, and then they leave, and it's Enterprise E at that point. Uh, and Riker goes off and makes his decision about command. But that it, it's, I, I feel like that entire episode is just a spit in the face of the cast of that show. It's just like the end of St. Elsewhere with the little kid with the snow globe, and it turns out the hospital's in there, and the whole show has been in his mind the entire time. Yeah, <laughs> but the Tommy Westfall universe with St. Elsewhere is kind of awesome. If you're not familiar with that, look that up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'll see... Because there were all of the all the shows that are connected to yeah, it. Yeah, so it's like this kid dreamt up like thirty different NBC shows, basically, in like yeah. a whole well, universe. It goes, beyond, <laughs> it goes beyond that because of of certain connections, like um, all in the family is connected to it. Um, they they connected yeah, they connected to to Wayland Yutani, which means aliens, Doctor Who, and the Buffyverse are connected to it as well. What Firefly was what? built by the Wayland Yutani. Like I'm serious, Tommy <laughs> Westfall is more is more connected than just the stuff on NBC. He's like when Franklin Richards reinvented the universe after Heroes Reborn. Yeah, yeah. That's all inside of his blue bouncy ball. Yeah. <laughs> because because of, of certain props they used in St. Elsewhere or Homicide Life on the Streets because detectives from, one, from that show appeared in St. Elsewhere, they're connected to uh, Law and Order and all the other like legal dramas. But because of because of certain name branded props that are, are unique to television, but because of company names that are appear in them, they're also connected to other things. Wayland Yutani, for example, because they built the Nostromo and they built Serenity and they built all that kind of stuff. It's connected, but they also are connected to Doctor Who, which is connected to Buffy, which is connected. It's, it's there are grid giant grid graphics on on uh, on Google that you can find. That will tell you about that. Plus, there's like giant databases in Wiki that'll tell you everything about Tommy Westfall. God, it's a goddamn shame that they couldn't get it back to Riker somehow and show us that Enterprises not only didn't happen, doesn't count, and didn't exist. It is an idea in the head of a man that is in the idea of the head <laughs> of a kid. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh wow, man! I so had... now, but I all right. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to like. I'm trying to cram this oddly shaped jigsaw piece into my puzzle, uh, into okay. my Star Trek puzzle. Yeah, they're not they're not saying that Archer and his crew were not real, right? Correct, correct. They they Archer and T'Pol and Trip and all that they actually existed. But what what the whole show was wasn't us watching those things as it happened in real time. It was Riker as a tangential observer reviewing records on the holodeck, interacting with the crew as this chef okay. to, in order to, to kind of decide what he wants to do with his career. Okay, that's not as bad as what I yeah. first no, thought. I, I mean, it's still, it's still pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, it's still stupid. Yeah. But I thought you meant like it's, Riker was basically like playing a video game. No, 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 no. Riker's not playing a video game. It's it, The stuff actually happened. I just find it disrespectful to those actors that instead of, like, this is our show on its own thing, it's, no, 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 we, we can't end it on our own merit. We have to end it with the final scene of our show being two actors from a show that went off the air 10 years ago. Right. 
But also I can see that being like the writers just being like, we are constantly being assaulted by these asshole Star Trek fans saying, this doesn't feel like Star Trek. This has nothing to do with Star Trek. This is not Star Trek. So in this final episode, yeah. you know what we're going to do? We're going to show them. We're going to show them once and for all. Oh, yeah? Well, look who's here. Screw you guys. The end. <laughs> like, no, that doesn't count. <laughs> this show sucks. Uh, speaking of Star Trek, after the fact, um, have you guys seen the Deep Space Nine documentary from a couple of years ago? I think yes. Those Left Behind. Yes. What We like, Left yeah, Behind. What We Left Behind. It's outstanding. It is. What We Left Behind. It is outstanding. Yes. Uh, I got teary-eyed in it a few times. It is so much better I than everything right to be. I kind of want to see their season eight. I kind of want to see their season I eight. I know. I know. It sounded great, too. But Yeah. But, I mean, hey, Deep Space Nine is back in comics. You can pick it up at IDW this week. We reviewed it. Cool. Yeah. There you go. David, always good to talk to you, man. Thank you for you uh, as well, guys. laying out the St. Elsewhere conspiracy. I love to revisit that every once in a while. Tell <laughs> me W-E-S-T-P-H-A-L-L. Like, just Google it, and you'll go down the rabbit hole for like an hour. <laughs> it's great. It. <laughs> All right, Dave, you have a good one, man. You too, guys. Take care. Bye, David. Okay, so now that I've got Enterprise in my brain, I remember I hated the theme song, but I cannot remember the theme song. So here we go. It's been a long road. Getting from there to here. So. It's been a long time. Let's just say you're not a Star Trek fan. You don't know anything about Star Trek. And I play you four Star Trek themes and this one. And I say to you, which one of these is not a Star Trek theme? <laughs> yeah. God, this is garbage. It's so bad. It's so bad. And I, I feel like I think the the point of it or, or maybe like the, the reasoning behind it, I, I don't know if I'm just was like trying to self-justify or if I actually read this, but it's, it's so close. It's so close to the events of first contact. Yeah. That it's like the Federation's just being born. And so there's still like normal music. <laughs> See, I don't think it's that at all. Like I people think, are still listening to classic rock. I think Fox was like, all right, it's time to make a new Star Trek, but this is not your nerdy dad Star Trek. We're going to get Luke Bryan to write the theme song, and they're like, he's pretty expensive. And they're like, oh, we'll get somebody that sounds like him to write the theme song, and the kids will love it. They'll go crazy, you know? We want to make Star they Trek for gotten, They should have gotten Life in the Fast Lane by the Steve Miller Band. Like, I'll buy that. Like, Commander Archer loves the Steve Miller Band. I don't believe that was Steve Miller, Life in the Fast Lane. Life in the Fast Lane. I think that was Life in the Fast Lane. I think that's Steve Miller, man. No, I think it's Glenn Fry. Life in the fast lane. 402-819-4894. Call us while I look this up, but Joe Patrick's totally wrong. Uh, yeah, right. It is a song by the Eagles. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Steve Miller sucks, too. Don't get me wrong. I hate the Eagles. I hate Steve Miller. <laughs> like, no love for him whatsoever. Oh, well, you know what? It was staring me right in the face. Space Cowboy. What's Space Cowboy? Some people call me the Space oh, Cowboy. Oh, 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 it's a Steve Miller song. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who this? Michael Severe. I'm so excited you guys answered the phone. Michael! Hey! <laughs> Come on, you grew up on the radio, man. You know how it works. Just keep calling, calling, oh, calling. No. I, you, you guys are so damn popular. I know how it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm just glad I got, glad I got to answer. So, how's everybody going? Everybody good? Good. Real good. We, good, were, good, just, good. we were just discussing want- the Enterprise theme song, how bad it was, and then we went off a tangent about how the Eagles and Steve Miller suck. But, you know. 
Do you know what's funny you say that? Because the Star Wars theme song, I mean, Star Trek, you said Star Trek theme song, right? The Enterprise, though, specifically. When I was probably four or five years old, um, living in New York still, and I could hear that from my bedroom when it would come on, and I would sprint down the stairs. Oh, yeah, me too. Just to get in front of the TV for that thing. Oh, yeah, me too. That's why when I heard the the theme song for Enterprise, the Scott Bakula Fox show, oh. I just stopped and I went like, I had a similar reaction to that when I heard the first, when Metallica released the Black Album. And I was like, all right, another speed metal record from my favorite speed metal band. And I listened to it and was like, what in the hell is this? <laughs> It's so bad. Hey, Matt, it's it's 2020. You can't say the Black Album anymore. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the the African-American record. <laughs> when Metallica, yeah, yeah, Metallica darker, released the African-American record. <laughs> it's a slightly darker album than the other album is what it is. <laughs> I have a, an answer for uh, this week's question. Yeah. And I kind of had two that I, I watched with my wife and I, it's, it's an example how TV just doesn't know when to stop. When Orange is New Black came out in the first season, and we just loved it and how much it, how great it was, and it was based on that book that the woman wrote and went to jail and everything. Yeah. And then they ended up going to like six seasons on the show, and you're like, how can you keep going when the woman was only in jail for 18 months in real life? <laughs> you don't have a story anymore. Yeah. And it, be, it became horrible, and it was a great example of how – my favorite show on TV became one that I don't even I don't even I don't even know what season it is. And I don't watch it anymore. Is it, it's not on anymore, right? It's no, gone. it ended. It I don't ended. know. Yeah, I think it is ended. It done? I think seven okay. seasons was it, it was the end. But I totally agree. I watched the first three seasons, I think. Yeah. And yes, it was about yes. the third season, like towards the end of the third season. I was just sort of like, well, where are we going here? What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. Because we've already yeah. explored one, all this. The, remember the season where they ended up finding that like pond behind the prison yeah did you see that part that was the last one i watched yeah whatever the end of that season was that was the last one i watched casey like hate watched the rest of it and she was like yeah i don't know i'm just watching it i don't even care you know like she just has to finish (laughs) i don't have that in i don't understand the hate watch thing i don't get it i can't can't do it no well sometimes you finish it just because you're hoping that maybe so this is sad but i watched the whole run of one tree hill (laughs) <laughs> because when it first started, I liked the basketball com. I liked all the stuff about it. Okay. And then they went in college and they became adults and I had to finish it. I had to just, I had to, it was something I had to do. Did it end up you in know? space? Where did one tree Hill go? Like, would it end up like a space oh, horror man, movie? Or? Know, there's a scene in one tree Hill where the dad is having a heart transplant and the heart falls on the floor and a dog running through the hospital, <laughs> yeah, grabs his saw. heart and runs away with it. That's in a scene in like the sixth season, I think, of One Tree Hill. You it's made hilarious. that up. Did, no, 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 I did not. Look it up. Uh, Look it up. I, I just, I just saw, I just saw. Um, I don't remember what it was. It was some sort of TV special, um, and it was like, yeah, one of listed as one of the dumbest moments in television history. <laughs> they wouldn't pull shit like that on a WWE skit. That is ridiculous. <laughs> I know, I know. And then, yeah. and then he walks into the. Now he realizes he's gonna die. Because he can't get this heart, right? Right. He then just walks into the ocean. The next season, he returns <laughs> to the show. What? And you're like, what, did the ocean cure him? What the hell happened? And they never mention his heart problem again. <laughs> okay. It was, so that's what I got to watch all the way through that. And then the other, the other shows that I kind of feel bad, I stopped watching. And my kids and I watched The Flash. And um, the other hero show was a time travel. Yeah. And, Legends um, of DC. We watched all those together, right? Legends right. of Tomorrow. And then... Oh yeah, let, thank you. And then it got to a point where 
I don't know what happened. We still watch the crossover events, but we don't watch the show. There's so many of them, and there's so much to watch there is. that we just couldn't keep up, and we stopped watching it. I, I kind of feel bad because I like the storylines. But do you feel like they but, keep doing the same formula, like, over and over and over again, kind of? Like, I love The Flash, and I fought through a couple seasons that I didn't love, and then it got better, but I, I feel like they keep doing this whole, like, hey, The Flash is getting pretty good at his job, and then, like, oh, man, a big bad guy comes, but that bad guy, maybe he's not all bad. Turns out he's a good guy, and there's a different bad guy. Like they kept doing this. Yeah. Just, well, they had like but, three seasons in a row where the where uh, the villain was an evil speedster. Right. It's like okay. Yeah. I mean, I get it. He's the Flash. Yeah. But. Yeah. Well, see, the thing is though, is that so I don't know if you guys have heard this line before, but there's only seven original ideas, and they were all in the Old Testament. Yeah. And then after that, everybody's just copying stuff. Pretty so much. I don't. I don't mind <laughs> that it's kind of repetitive as long as it's good. It just didn't hold us. I'm not sure why. And I wish, because I enjoyed watching it with the kids. I'm trying to get them to watch Stargirl now, because I think that's really kind of fun. Stargirl is and fun. And I want to watch Doom Patrol with them, because now we have HBO Max and it's on there. Doom Patrol and then is pretty Thing, adult, three things just so you know. Doom Patrol is pretty adult-oriented. You know, oriented. So I don't know. My if- kid's favorite thing to watch, Matt Bomb, is Forensic Files. You're not going to ever get anything past them. Okay, I mean, I fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. I mean, that's their favorite show, Forensic Files. I'm so. not telling you how to raise your kid. You do what you got. You do you. You know, I I got rid of my kids because I wasn't any good at raising them. So my kids are going to be CSIs when they grow up or mass murderers. One of those two, I don't know. But those are the two they're going to be. Those are choices. <laughs> They'll be very trained for either, I guess. Either one good. of them, no doubt about that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, it's like, oh, you didn't make the baseball team. Don't worry about it. You run fast enough, you can play football. Let's go. You know. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I have a fallback. The exactly. fallback is serial killer. Exactly. Ooh, or one of them could be the serial killer, and the other one could be the CSI guy on the trail of his brother. That shit writes itself. Great, they should bring back Dexter with my kid. There you go. Do it that way. Dexter too. That's a good idea. Dexter's brother. Oh my god, I love it. Again, this goes back to Cain and Abel, so it's already been done. Yeah. It's regardless. Great story. Cain and Abel. That that shit sells, man. I mean, we're gonna have to workshop that title because Dexter two colon Dexter's brother is terrible. <laughs> It's a working title. Come on. All hey, right. Last, last thing real quick, guys. I, I, I did a, the last six weeks I've gone through and I've done an analytic breakdown of what Matt likes and doesn't like. And I've discovered that 96% of the stuff that's come out on TV or movies, he doesn't like. It's true. That needs to get fixed. That's, I mean, you like yeah, I mean, that's an accurate. That's it over the last six weeks. You don't like anything else. That's, we got to get that fixed. It's true. I'm very picky. I'm very picky. That's my job here, though. I'm here to scream and yell, and Joe Patrick's job is to make everybody feel better and like him because he needs that. I like enemies. You know, that's just that's just me. <laughs> good cop, good cop, bad cop. Exactly. Good podcaster, bad podcaster. Exactly. I guess. I guess. <laughs> we're, again, right out of the Old Testament. You know, good podcaster, well, I, bad I'm, podcaster. I'm team Joe Patrick, so just so you know, I'm team Joe Patrick at all times. Thank totally you, Michael. Understand. Thank you, buddy. I'm a team of one. You're I'm welcome. a lone wolf. I'm a rebel, baby. You know, I get it. <laughs> all right, Michael, we got somebody you're, else trying to get in here. You're a rebel without a pause. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to talk to you, brother. All right, good guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, Michael. God, that freaking guy kills me. I love him. 402-819-4894. Please call us back. Um, yes, there were three seasons of The Flash that almost broke me, where I almost completely fell out of love with it. And it was definitely where they were like, there was Professor Zoom was the first one. I can't remember who the second guy was. It was also Professor Zoom. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> 
Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Caller, who this? Hey, it's Jason Sachs. Jason Sachs, you got through. Hey, Jason. We're talking to you. I, how's it going, guys? Good. Doing well. Good. Uh, so it's been a busy freaking week. Yeah. Tell me about it. Let's, uh, let's wrap. Yeah. Uh, so uh, first of all, it's really sad to hear about John Lewis passing away. Yes. That's a huge loss. Um, it's a huge loss. Um, I met him, gosh, must be seven years ago at San Diego when he's promoting March. Yeah. And um, he was one of the most impressive people I've ever met. Like he just had this, I don't know, this, this articulateness, this like real clarity of purpose, but like you almost never see. Yeah. Like he was just an incredibly impressive person, just like in terms of like the way he carried himself and his um, approach to the world. Like he is exactly the way you imagine him to be when you see him on TV or whatever. Right. Just, um, just a deeply important guy. So, um, and March, of course, is a fantastic graphic novel series. Yes. So, if you uh, have not read it, go pick that up. Absolutely. Amazing story. And I think Lewis is one of those guys where I've never heard anything but good stories about him. And there's a lot of people that, you know, dip their toes into the, the graphic novel world or the comic world and they show up at a con and it turns out they don't want to talk to all these fucking nerds. You know, Lewis was mm-hmm. not that guy at all. He was going to talk to anybody that came up to him. Super sweet guy, you know, and maybe it's because he's a politician too. I don't know, but incredible guy. Well, no, I mean, Nate Powell, who illustrated the books, um, the Powell mine, especially at the time. And uh, Nate said that he um, was having a conversation with John Lewis about technique and how he approached uh, creating scenes. And like, he was legitimately interested in like how he was putting together the story. So he just had this incredible kind of curiosity about the world, I think. That's cool. That's really cool. Especially just to choose, like, he could have written a book. He could have gone straight to a movie or something and said, no, let's do a graphic novel of this because I want to see the pictures. I love yeah. love that. Uh, yeah, so it's a big loss for us. Um, and more pleasant news, I just finished watching uh, Old Guard. What'd you think? How'd you feel? I thought it was outstanding. Right? So, so interesting. So intriguing. The way they built that backstory. Yeah. Um, and and the way they just imply all this other stuff in the past is so cool. Um, Charlize Theron was fantastic she too. Was amazing. Yeah, I, uh, I was very impressed by that movie. I think the most impressive thing in retrospect, thinking about it, is the fact that it, they could have just made a good movie. They could have just made a good action movie based on this, and great, Greg Greco got paid or whatever. But I legitimately feel like the things that I love about the comic that Greg Rucka brings to that comic, he was able to directly bring to the screen. Not in a way that it was like mm. the Sin City movie where it's like, oh, look, you know, Mickey Rourke's posed exactly like dude was on the cover of Sin <laughs> City, whatever. Like, no, I mean, he brought his sensibilities to the characters in the book directly to the screen and it worked so well. I'm so happy for Greg Rucka because he totally deserves it too. He does. He does. And the thing that struck me is about the, is the characters. The characters just had such a breadth to them. Yeah. They, the way they brought them right. alive in just a little bit, little small scenes. So impressive. Well, and I was thinking about Extraction, which was the Russo Brothers movie that they did with uh, Chris Hemsworth. And it was great. Loved it. Fantastic. Nonstop action. But literally no character 
whatsoever. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It was just like, this guy is tortured. This other guy is tortured. They meet on this awful, you know, battlefield that's steered by international crime and the government and whatnot. And they do their best to do their job. It turns out one guy kind of cares about his job, but like, there's no emotion there. It's just pure violence. It was fantastic. I Mm -hmm. loved it. But the old guard, I mean, as an action movie, it's fine. Yeah. Old guard was an action movie that had like serious heart. I cared. I really cared about these characters and I really want more, Yeah, you know? I well, and I think we're going to get it. People. So yeah, it was a huge success. So we are going to get more. I guarantee that. Yeah. I think it's number one on Netflix right now. Um, and then I got to answer my own question of the week. Um, it's kind of an easy answer actually for me. So the, the thing that I loved at the beginning and then kind of fell away from Dr. Who really like, like the first couple seasons it was out. Um, like I was, I could not wait for every week's episode. Like I was so excited, not just to see the whole character back, but the whole setting and all the mystery and the uh, performances. Uh, like I was just completely caught up in it. Did you well, like- there's a couple of seasons from episode one. Like I could go back and watch over and over again. I was just going to ask, you liked huh. the first season because the first season was really hard for me. Was it? Why yeah. was it hard for you? Because I didn't like the doctor. Like I couldn't connect oh. to, I can't think of the actor's name, Christopher, Christopher Eccleston. Thank you. He, I think he was a pretty divisive doctor. Yeah. Um, he, some people really love him. Some people really didn't. He was like the first doctor that was like a straight up soldier, you know? And yeah. I, I just couldn't connect with him. soldier. Yeah. He was a soldier. That was kind of his deal. Like the other guys, some of them are, you know, crazy people or thinker or diplomat or whatever. Like he was a straight up badass. No, Christopher Eccleston's well, was, doctor was a lunatic. <laughs> Fair enough. I always thought of him. I, I don't know. He just didn't did it for me. I couldn't connect to that doctor. But he was tortured by everything that happened to him and the time lords in the past. And really his whole life was about moving beyond the, the terrible traumas he went through. Yeah. And so uh, there was that two part where they go back to World War II and mm-hmm. um, he's dancing around. The episode's called The Doctor Dances. He's dancing around full of joy because they didn't actually have to kill anybody in that in that storyline um it was just like so like meaningful like really brought out so much of the character i just kind of like the tortured doctor um but then it kind of all fell away like matt smith the matt smith doctor especially was just too happy too too you know just didn't have enough depth to him to me i see and it's like i loved matt smith but i i totally i get you and i i I will completely admit that it got almost fairy tale ending at some points where yeah. you're just like, okay, I get it. <laughs> it is the happiest <laughs> ending. Great. And then the next episode, let's do it again. You're like, guys, come on, <laughs> shake yeah. it up a little bit. Yeah. But I did love Matt Smith. Okay. God, I loved him. Okay. He, he was so cute. Okay, so we disagree. <laughs> was, That's okay. He was so adorable. He is. Yeah. He is kind of adorable. <laughs> See, for me, like I, I came to Doctor Who late uh, into the reboot. So so Matt Smith was the doctor uh, when I first started watching. Uh, and, and I did not have a long history with. Whoa. My bad. I think I just hung up on Jason. Oh, shit. Sorry, Jason. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was an accident. I was trying to answer Adam Wednesday, who in the chat said, uh, we got Captain Jack in season one. So you can do no wrong. I love Captain Jack. Oh. Jason, I'm sorry. I apologize, man. 
Oh, it might have been me. No, I think it was me. I think I accidentally hit the keypad when I was trying to type something. So. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> uh, anyway, just to just to finish what I was saying, like I came I came to Doctor Who late without a ton of like nostalgia for the character growing up, uh, and so Matt Smith was my first Doctor, and then I went back and filled in the reboot years. Um, oh yeah, and so I have an appreciation for David Tennant and Matt Smith uh, especially, but um, I I can. And that's actually something that I really appreciated about each incarnation is that they were all so different from one another. Um, because by the time we got to Peter Capaldi and he's just this curmudgeon. I loved him. <laughs> See, like I think Capaldi, when it first started, I was sort of, I, I was lukewarm because Capaldi was like so good as an actor and, and commanded the screen. But I was like, he's just such an asshole. And then after a while, by the time they got to that, like that Robin Hood episode where all the Robin Hood characters were robots and Peter Capaldi just hated Robin Hood, like could not listen to him talk. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, yeah, I love this. He's my favorite. I love him so much. <laughs> Huh. See, I dropped off before I watched before that season. I only watched the, the first episode with them, so they're worth going back and watching. They're fun, just because you do you get this like grumpy doctor who's like, "Look, I'm okay. the smartest guy in the room. You just have to trust me. Why are you still talking? You know." <laughs> and, and, and he's just great. <laughs> Love him. What do you think of the latest doctor? Do you have you seen any of the Jodie Hauser ones? I like her. I, I think the stories have been weak so far. I agree. I'm, I'm just for like an overarching storyline. I think it started very strong and I liked the way they, they, they struck out with her and said, we're going to have fun. We're going to, because Capaldi was a bit of a downer. He was kind of an asshole. So this is a different doctor, but then the stories, yeah. it was just like random story, random story, two, random story, three, completely random. We're not really going anywhere anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean, the other doctor who's always had, random stories in the season that jumped up, but there was a like storyline that was carrying through. And I just, I kind of fell off because I felt like, well, if I feel like watching a random episode of Dr. Who, maybe I'll turn it on, but I don't need to because there's nothing going on. Yeah. It's like there's no momentum. Yeah. She's good. I like Jody her. Whitaker yeah, I like is her, her name. Jody Hauser is the comic book writer. Jody Whitaker. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> Very different people. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, like for me, I fell off Doctor Who because they kept, um, they kept moving where I could find it. Like I don't, ha I don't get BBC America, and so I was dependent on Amazon uh, to watch it, and then they took it off Amazon. <laughs> and so, like oh, I don't know, right. like I have to track. Like I think now it's on. Well, somebody bought uh, HBO Max. It's on HBO Max yeah, now because somebody like has this the rights to, and I think it's uh, it, Warner Brothers has the rights to show it here like they bought they have an agreement with bbc america or something uh -huh, okay because all that stuff's on hbo max now like all the bbc america stuff so so i'll probably get back into it eventually but you know like it, they they just made it too hard for me to keep up so fair enough yeah i don't know i'm with jason i might need to go back and, and look at the eccleston ones because it's been a long time since i've seen them and i was like you joe when i came in i had no real affinity for the character so seeing this like different take on the character just didn't really do anything for me. I, I guess maybe I need to revisit it. I've only watched the first season once and I think I've watched the other seasons at least twice. So I might have to revisit. Well, All right, I'm going to get out for my long bike ride guys. It's been a joy talking to you guys. 
Jason, you too, Jason. thank you for the question of the week, by the way, sir. Yeah. Have a good weekend. I, I forgot. I forgot. I even asked it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you soon, brother. All right. See you later. Bye. Uh, yeah. You know, everybody knows Matt constant repetition is the key to enjoying any pop culture property. So yeah, just again and again and again, <laughs> just keep, keep watching it until you start to love it until you figure it out and you either will or you'll die. One of the two. So pin your eyes open like clockwork orange. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover caller. Who this? It's Brian Domingos. Good morning, Brian. Calling a little late Hello. today. Yeah, I got stuff to do. What's going on, guys? Oh, you're a busy guy. I get it. I get it. Yeah. You got to get off his back, Matt Bomb. He's got stuff to do. <laughs> I mean, well, also, you guys are, you know, it's a busy show. So, you know, this is not the first time I've attempted. So I'm glad. I'm happy to get through. I'm happy Fair to get enough. through. What do you want to rap about? What? Um, you know, the, the question is interesting because it's like, it's always like, you know, the things that you love and, and we want things that we like and we're always happy where there's something new, but kind of burning out on something is, is a weird thing. Yeah. Um, and as much as I love like the antics of the, the roses, um, I don't need two more seasons of Shit's Creek. Um, I am watching Shit's Creek with my wife right now. And I feel like the first season was fine at best. And I kept asking like, well, why does everybody love this? The second season got a little better. Season three is where we're at right now. And it's fantastic. But where does it fall yeah. off? It, I am at the end of season four okay. and everyone seems like they have their stuff together and I'm good. Like there's two more seasons and I don't know. I don't, I, I feel like there's like, I just don't need it anymore. Fair you enough. Know, like four seasons is, is enough. Um, and I know people love it and like, I, I get it. Like they're, they're, they're all hilarious and smart and you know, it's really well written, but like, it's just kind of in like, it's in, it feels like everything's in like a comfortable place. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm going to leave it here. Like, yes. you know, there, there's the, you know, the romantic couple, which is great and I'm happy for them. And, um, you know, everyone seems to be like, progressing where at first like the first season it's like everything's chaos and they're living in this horrible place and they're all miserable and like it's really funny and then it's just it's kind of like too like sweet and saccharine and i'm like yeah i'm good like fair enough. i'm not gonna invest another i don't know 12 hours or something or 15 hours to the rest of it like i don't need it so um i'm all set. frank cirillo is in the chat insisting that it gets better see and it, okay i just looked it up it <clears throat> didn't even get like nominated for Emmys until like season five, really. Well, it's Canadian. Yeah, fair enough. It's not their fault. Yeah, like <laughs> they're Canadian. Like I think you you got to look up the Canadian enemies. <laughs> yeah, it won a shitload of Canadian Emmys. Um, they're <laughs> all I think are called the in, uh, Canadian blue jeans. Yeah, they're called um, the Rickies. <laughs> I, I just like it's not like oh I don't like it. Like I liked it a lot. Like I was really into it for a long time, and um, it was always like oh let's watch Shit's Creek tonight, and like and now like my wife and I like we're good. Like it's, it's a good season four is a good, like if that was the end, it would be perfectly fine. Fair enough. Like, great. I'm happy for them. So, um, yeah, but like on the other end of, uh, total chaos and total drama, uh, doom patrol is amazing. And like, God, like I love it. nearly, it, it's nearly a traumatic incident every week. Yeah. Like something, it, it is such, this is the craziest thing. And I know that it is exactly what that book's supposed to be because it's chaos and those poor people are living in these horrible situation and these horrible lives. But like, um, the sex patrol episode was hilarious and like, 
you can't stop watching it. The, and then the, the, uh, the sex men. finger patrol is, is yeah, the sex men. Like it was like, as, just when you think it can't get any weirder, like here are the sex men. Um, and, um, and then it does get a lot weirder and that very, like this, this seems like it was drawn by Richard Pace. Like, great. Perfect. Exactly. Yeah. You know, or Richard Pace, just, just what I needed. Um, uh, and, um, so it's, uh, the, the sex patrol episode was the last one I, I watched because, uh, I keep forgetting to turn on DC universe to check out for, to check for new, new episodes. And so I end up like watching three in a row because it'll be like three weeks later and I'll remember, Oh wait, doom patrol. Uh, where as opposed to star girl, which for me is like every Monday morning, right. It's fucking star girl time. Right. Uh, because I'm obsessed with watching them build the JSA. Oh, when that, that, I I think I'm like a couple episodes behind when they do the, uh, the janitor thing i was like like i stood up and i was like oh yeah like what is happening <laughs> yes, and yes. I, I know i was like i know who that guy is i know exactly what this is and then he's like wandering around and they do that really slow like pan across his his body and you can read his like name tag and i was like yes yes yes. okay yes, i haven't yes, seen this yes, one yet so yes, don't yes, spoil yes. i haven't seen that one yet i'm a little behind so don't spoil oh it. yeah it's it, like it is it is it is like a a a, a constant IV drip of liquid heroin to fans of DC legacy comics. See, I'm kind of in and out of love with the hour man character kid. Like when they first introduced him, like I like that's Rick Tyler. That's Rick Tyler though, man. When he was first introduced, he was a shithead. Yeah. But it's just like, he's such an overwhelming shithead. I'm like, get this guy off the show. Fuck this dude. (laughs) You know, and I thought, I thought to myself, I thought to myself, okay, like I can, I see from like from before the show even began, we had that teaser at the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths. We we had the trailers where they showed, okay, there's going to be Doctor Midnight, there's going to be Our Man, Wildcat, okay, right. But then, but then they they go to the the episode, they go to the JSA Museum, and it's like this is the Green Lantern, this is Flash's helmet, this is fucking Johnny Thunder's pink. Uh, Johnny Thunder's pink pen and there's a genie inside of it. <laughs> I've been waiting every single week to hear more about that stupid genie. <laughs> yeah, well, there's I, I forget. It's one of the early episodes. I think it's, I don't know, maybe three or four, but um, the little brother Mike mentions he was hanging out with like Jamal from down the street. Jamal, yes, Jakeem Thunder. And I JJ was, Thunder. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh, come on, come on, come on. They're, come on, they're come gonna on. do like, it. it. That's it, that wouldn't even be like the it, wildest it, thing they've done yet. <laughs> so, it's true. Well, it's, um, Adam Wednesday thing, like, in the that, chat points out. Uh, Adam Wednesday in the chat points out that Rick Tyler is played by Lou Ferrigno's kid. No shit, that's little Ferrigno. Uh, I think his name is literally Lou Ferrigno Jr. Really. I, I, yeah. no I think idea. he played I think he played Rex. I think in the Oh, maybe he played Rex. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he yeah. played yeah. dad. Uh, he played dad. The dad, yeah. Because okay. he, he would be have to be Lou Ferrigno Jr. Jr. Because you know Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, the, he'd the, have to be older. Yeah, that makes like more 70 sense. 70 years old. Yeah, like, I was gonna yeah, say he, Lou Ferrigno's got a pretty young kid. <laughs> I mean, good for <laughs> Lou. I mean, whatever. You know, no judgment. I mean he, he's got a yeah. He's got a forty-year-old wife and a uh, teenage son. Yeah, good for I, him. Yeah. Alec, Alec Baldwin keeps Luke. cranking out kids. The dude's sixty, so good-looking dude. I mean, come on, we need more Baldwins. Good Baldwins, that is. Screw yeah. you, Adam. Get out of here. <laughs> 
Adam wishes he's a different Baldwin. He's yeah. not a Baldwin. Baldwin. He's not related. Yeah, uh, I could do without Steven. Steven is the is the bad Baldwin in that in this bunch. I think he's the isn't he just like the bad I know. boy? Who, though? who would think that somebody would be worse to make Daniel look like not the worst? It was a lot <laughs> right. of work, but he he managed uh, to do it. All right. Yeah, no, Stephen Stephen Baldwin just like decided to go all in on being a conservative whack job. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. Well, you know, couldn't happen to a guy with a weirder looking face post surgery. So screw you. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> there you go. Next Damn, time on Baldwin we, look, Cast, we're gonna get into some Baldwin. We don't fan shame fiction. people for their appearance on this show, <laughs> Matt Bomb. No, if you physically alter no. your appearance like that, if you have enough money to go and cut up your face and make yourself look like an alien, yes, I'm going to make fun of you. If you're born that way, whatever, man. I'm ugly. I get it. You know, <laughs> it's fine. Well, now now his his Google Q rating is going to go way up because I don't have any idea what he looks like these days. So as soon as I hang up, <laughs> he's everyone weird in looking. the chat's like frantically Googling, he, you know, he's weird looking, face. man. I'll tell yeah. you that much. <laughs> Brian, thank you for your call. It's always good to talk to you, and uh, we'll get into this more on Baldwin Cast next week. But uh, yeah, it's my th- thanks for having me on Baldwin Cast. I appreciate it. <laughs> not, a, not a problem, brother. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Later, guys. Bye, Brian. <laughs> uh, another fun fact about J about Star Girl. It's not called JSA, despite what I want it to be. <laughs> JSA um, Junior, you mean JSA Jr. JSA Jr. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the voice of Chuck McNider that's inside the goggles is Henry Thomas, who played Elliot in E.T. No shit. Yep. Really? I Correct. No kidding. Good for him. I'm glad he's working. I feel like that guy, he disappeared for quite a while, you know? Michael Sevier says, my youngest is out on our man because he thinks only being strong for one hour is really dumb. <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of the, that's kind of like the joy of our man though. It's like, you got to be smart enough to be like, this is the hour, you know, you can't be Look, like, all right, this is the hour. Like, turns out, no, that was like the 15 minutes and we need shit, you for, Yeah, it was not the hour. Yeah. Now look, we need that look, hour. <laughs> look, Logan and or Miles, you got to understand it was a different time. Right. Okay. It's time for voicemails. Let's get into this. I'm not sure who this first one is. It's Adam uh, Crouch. Guys. Who's Adam Crouch? Do we know an Adam Crouch? Is this a new guy? I don't know. Let's play it and find out. All right. You interrupted him. Uh, this is Adam Crouch. I'm calling in to the question about lore. I was going to call in before, but uh wasn't sure if it really fit what you guys considered lore. But after seeing some of the examples, I felt like it's close enough. Um, I was going to say the Legion of Superheroes. <coughs> Sorry. Um, so with the Legion, uh, you, you know, they're teenagers from the future who live in a, uh, utopian world. Uh, you know, I was just thought that was really cool, inspired by Superboy, but in turn ended up being the inspiration for Superboy and, uh, you know, like his earliest friends to really learn how to be a superhero. But when you get into their lore, you, you know, they're famous since they're from the future, they get rebooted a lot. So, uh. You know, they start off as teenagers from the future, and then we see an age up to adulthood. Uh, they end up getting time jumped for five years in the future, uh, and where the uh, the world turns dystopian. Um, and then they actually get rebooted to remove Superboy from their history. They get rebooted again an issue later. Then they get time displaced, cloned, retconned, and then rebooted with zero hour, and then rebooted, and then retrobooted, and then finally, you know, Bendis is doing his Bendis boot. So. You know, I, I guess 
what would I, what I would consider a lure would just be the fact that you have to keep up with all the different reboots um, and how, you know, different changes in the present day universe kind of have their effect on the Legion. But anyway, uh, I probably went too long, but I appreciate it. Uh, thanks, guys. Adam Crouch, welcome aboard. That totally counts. It totally counts. Uh, I recognize Adam's name from the fan group. I know that he's commented on stuff. Uh, I, I'm not sure if he's called in before, so we're going to welcome him so. aboard. Welcome aboard. It's about uh, damn time. I, I freaking love the Legion, the history of the Legion of Superheroes, and I love how they keep rolling with the punches. Like, it's like every time a new Legion writer comes on and they're like, oh, a reboot, you say, I'm ready. No problem. <laughs> I especially love what they're doing now uh, where there's like, oh, we know that our history is different than it has it used to be in the past. Right. Uh, you know, like this whole thing Bendis is doing with people remembering reboots. It's super clever. And I love that he used the term three boot and then Bendis boot. <laughs> uh, so the three, the three boot is the Mark Wade, Barry Kitson. Right. Legion of superheroes, which was my favorite one because I love, which Mark was a complete Wade. departure. Yeah. Uh, from everything that had come before. Like I, I have a really, I have a real soft spot in my heart for the original Legion of superheroes. But if I'm being honest with myself, I think the most accessible version of the Legion of Superheroes was the post zero hour version, which started from scratch. Uh, you didn't need to know any previous history, but it was very close to the spirit of the original Legion and their personality. And who was that? Who were the creators? Uh, so Tom Pyre was involved. Mark Wade was in the mix there somewhere. Um, Lee Motor was the artist. Stuart Immonen, I think, did some stuff for it. So this was like, yeah, uh, the Legion Lost and stuff like that, where that went. It, it's it's what eventually, yeah, it's what eventually led to Legion Lost. Yeah. Okay, that was um, my jam. I really liked those. Those were great. Yeah, and so that was um, Abnett and Lanning and Olivier Coipel doing that, um, and then that led to a, a not a reboot, but a relaunched series just called The Legion, right? Uh, where where Connor Kent joined. Uh, and I loved that run. I loved that run, but yeah, the zero hour Legion is, is great. If you've never read it, it's, it's totally accessible. It does seem like, uh, and maybe I'm wrong here. Cause you know more about this than I do, but it does seem like every time the Legion returns in any form, DC has decided it has to be 100% completely different. Whereas like you bring back a character like Hawkman who also has a lot of problems in his past if you're going to try and connect the dots it's a mess but they can go we'll gently massage this a little bit and there it's hawkman not the legion everyone is different everything is different the whole future is different <laughs> uh i would i would say that that's mostly true um except for what he what adam was talking about uh, with the like they hung they hung on to the original incarnation of the legion for a long time past the crisis uh, and so they like it was the same. They were the same characters and the same continuity, but they would like massage, like right, you'd say, right? Um, and they would say, "Oh, well, the Superboy that inspired us was actually from a pocket dimension created by the Time Trapper." Blah blah blah. Don't ask me about that. <laughs> uh, and then they did like then they just said, "Fuck it, we're going to do a five year jump into the future and and be completely different, but it's still the same characters." Um, and it was a much more like socio-political like drama book almost. And it's great. Uh, Tom and Mary Beerbaum and, and Keith Giffen on, on the five years later Legion, which is amazing. Oh yeah. I um, forgot about that. There's been so many, my God. Uh, but it wasn't uh, like, so the Legion wasn't completely rebooted from scratch until zero hour. 
And then I would agree that every incarnation since then has been different, except yeah. for when Jeff Johns decided he was bringing back the OG yeah. uh, in his like action comics. And that came and went. It was fun. All right, Jimmy Randall, you're up next. What's up, gangsters? Jimmy Randall uh, sending in an MP3 with my answer to question of the week. What have I fallen out of love with? Um, so I had to think about this one, and I do have an answer, and I'm afraid the answer may get me banned from the contributing to this podcast. I love it. Controversy. I'm be true to myself, Joe, please forgive me. I've fallen out of love with The Flash on the CW, and basically CW shows in general. Now, let me explain. Back when I was watching them heaps, there was a lot of other shows I was watching, and, you know, uh, Walking Dead, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, just some really depressing shit. So it was awesome to have like The Flash, um, Legends of Tomorrow, stuff like that as a nice little palate cleanser to balance it out. Now, I don't really watch those depressing shows anymore. <clears throat> so The Flash to me, it kind of, it tipped the scales and it collapsed under the weight of its own saccharine sweetness. Like I'm doing the same thing right now. I'm playing through The Last of Us Part 2 and I have to sort of break it up every now and then and just watch Teen Titans Go or Amazing World of Gumball Yay! just so I don't feel like a depressed piece of shit. I love Gumball. But I mean, The Flash, it just got, it got too bright and cheesy and kind of Melrose placey. Yeah. But I also noticed that it had a liberal dash of emo in there if, if that's still a thing emo like it's kind of hard to articulate but the show was bright and colorful and fast while trying kind of too hard to be depressing you know what i mean it was i don't know it just got to the point where i'd turn it on and barry allen would be like hey it's me barry allen like life's so hard I'm, my parents are dead my friend cisco he got a haircut oh god you know i'm just a regular guy okay i've got abs check it out i'm fast um that's it it just does nothing for me anymore but i still watch the crossovers they're they're very special i love them but that's it the flash i'm done with it and i can do without it and that's my answer jimmy out latest potatoes okay before we get into the flash I fundamentally think that it is absolutely unfair that any Australian can just switch into the most perfect and believable American <laughs> accent they want. And when we try and talk in an Australian accent, we sound like fucking oh, racists. Good day. Yeah, good so, day, mate. <laughs> Let's throw another flash right. on the barbie. Straight to like Crocodile Dundee. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I mean... Look, man, he ain't wrong. Like, I get it. He's the Flash not. has had a lot of problems. It's lost I, me. I, I just stopped. And it's not because I don't like the show. I don't care about the show anymore. And I, and I think so, he's right. They just tried to, like, they tried to either get too sweet, and then they were afraid they're getting too sweet, and they went, let's dial it back and make Barry sad. Like, I don't care about that. Give me some stakes. Let's do something, you know? Because otherwise, it's just like the team has a problem. It's a bad day for the team until it's the best day for the team. Next time on The Flash, the team's having a bad day. Like, come on. <laughs> you know? Okay, look. You're describing the, the emotional arc of every TV show ever invented. I suppose. I just think there's some shows that do it better. They, they, you, when you can hide that. Sure, you can boil anything down to a formula, but when you can hide that and make it work, it just seems like all these DC shows, I think Batgirl or Batwoman was definitely guiltiest of it, where it's just like all it was was the formula. That's it. That's sure. all it was. 
Kate struggles with whether or not to turn her sister in for murder. Right. I for mean, the eighth time this season. <laughs> yeah. Their sister gets away and kills again. Guess what, Kate? Yeah. That's your fault. You did that now. Right. Yeah. You, you, you look, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and say that people are wrong about feeling their feelings about the flash. I get it. And we're going to get into my own, you know, neuroses about that sort of thing when we get to my answer. So let's just get to, let's get to our last call. All right. Deal. Hi, Joe and Matt. Uh, I'm a long-time listener since, I think, way before 2015. Uh, I'm sorry. My first time calling in. (laughs) Uh, You can call me Brykus. It's a Dragon Ball Z reference with my name, Bryant, um, from Merlin. I just wanted to call in about the question of the week. Um, So a show or property that I fell out of love with, I would say, would be probably the Spider-Man series. Um, Initially... Uh, one of the theories that got me back into comics was the Superior Spider-Man. I have all the trades, and that kind of further further brought me into wanting to read more comics, like Why the Last Man. I started picking up uh, titles to read from from your show, and it's been slightly going downhill. Not your show. Your show's amazing. <laughs> I, thought, um, I was like, hey! The, the amazing <laughs> Spider-Man titles have been going... It's not bad, but... At the same time, I find myself falling out of love with them. I have, like, three issues back. It's one of the things I tell myself I'll read when I get to. Um, I don't know why exactly. I don't know if it's because they're shoving boomerang down my throat, but I just don't find myself liking the series as much as I used to. Uh, Thanks for all the wonderful work y'all have done, and talk to y'all later. Bye. Thank you, and welcome aboard. It's about damn time you called. Yeah, thank you, Brian. Um... I'm right there with him, man. I yeah. I do not care about the current volume of Amazing Spider-Man so at all. Let's talk about it for a second because I can't quite put my finger on what I don't like, but I know I don't like it. You know what I mean? The art is very good. They yep. are doing yep. stuff with the character that sounds interesting in the solicit, but when I get into the book, I can't read more than two issues before I go, all right, I'll... I'll read this later. You know, it's just like nothing there. It's so weird. So part of it for me, at least at the beginning, part of it was um, having a bad taste in my mouth about Nick Spencer uh, due to like how he acted, how he reacted to people, uh, to people's negative reaction to Secret Empire. When they were like, oh, make it cap a Nazi, blah, blah, blah. Instead of like, Instead of just being like, I understand, I hear you, I promise, there's a story, I promise. He was confrontational about it. He argued with people about it. Uh, and so when they were like, he's the new writer of Amazing Spider-Man, I wasn't excited. And his stories were fine. And that's it. They were fine at best. Yeah. And like, he hasn't done anything on that book that made me think it was worthy of the fanfare that it was getting. Uh, like, certainly, you can say what you want about Dan Slott, like, taking Spider-Man in some very non-Spider-Man directions, but at least the dude took some big swings. And they were fun. Even, and they were fun. Even at its dumbest, and they did some really dumb stuff. They absolutely did. But even at its dumbest, it was still fun. Right. And Nick Spencer is just doing, like, status quo level Spider-Man stories with the illusion of stakes. Yeah. Like, like they're on issue like 44 or 45 as of this week. 
And I don't think I've read it since issue 18 or 19 during that big, long Craven the Hunter storyline. It's been a long time since I actually sat down and read it. And I, and I feel the same way that speaking of Dan Slott, when he took over Iron Man and Fantastic Four, I was like, oh, cool. Maybe he's going to bring that same sensibility to these books, but he didn't and just didn't really go anywhere. And yeah, yeah. Not, not that they were bad, but it just felt like we're treading water until we can find another big name to relaunch this with right now. So go ahead, Nick, tell whatever story you want. The book is selling fine. And that's all we care about right now. There isn't another Spider-Man movie coming for a while. So in the meantime, you know, do your thing. Have a good time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's something to be said for, you know, there being a traditional Spider-Man series on the racks and uh, I get it. It's just like, I don't know, man. I like, I'm not excited about it. I'm not excited about it at all. Maybe we're the problem too. I'd like to hear from you guys. Maybe we're the problem and we're wrong and you're perfectly happy with Spider-Man, but call me and tell me, I want to know why, because I don't get it. I'm not. And again, I don't think it's terrible by any means. It's fine. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any like complaints about the quality necessarily. But like for me, I've been reading Spider-Man for literally my entire life. And like, I'm just over the whole like darn the Parker luck, you know? Yeah. Like the dude, he can't, he can't make ends meet. Oh man, he's got roommate problems. Oh right. boy, is his love life a mess. Like I just I've read those stories. I read those stories for 30 years. Yeah. And it's just time for Spider-Man to grow up a little bit, and I don't think there'd be anything wrong with that. Superman has a kid. We're fine with that. Venom's running around with a goddamn kid. You know, I like come on. <laughs> How come they can be parents? I'm not, I mean, I'm not even saying I need him to have a kid. I'm just like I want baby May Parker. I want you keep trotting the same ground over and over and over again. And like for somebody like me, who's been reading long enough, like I see the strings, you know, I see the puppet strings and how they're, you know, making them dance in the same old dance. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I don't know for certain, but it doesn't, it does seem like there was a point where Bendis and some people brought in Miles Morales and this was going to be your new Spider-Man. And the backlash was such that we ended up stuck with fine. Here's your same old Peter Parker. There I you mean, go. they were never going to replace Peter in the main Marvel universe. I, I, I bet there I was think talk it, about it. At I was point. more, I was more happy that they, they, they found a way to keep miles around after they wiped out the ultimate universe for five minutes. I'm at the point now where I kind of wish miles was my Spider-Man and we could do something new because this, well, like you there said, is a, there's a miles Morales Spider-Man title. You can just make him your Spider-Man. I agree. I just would be okay if he was the only one at this point. Honestly, yeah. I'm t- kind of, I'm just tired of the same thing you're saying. They're not, and it's not Peter Parker's fault. I love the character of Peter Parker. It is the fault of the editorial that just wants to play it safe. Yeah, we'll pick, we're going to, oh, he's almost going to die this week. And oh, this character died. And oh, he's real upset. But ultimately it's just Peter Parker doing Peter Parker. Nothing's going to happen to the character. Nothing. Right. It's too bad. Joe Patrick, let's get to our answers. All right. So people were talking about losing their love of the CW shows, uh, specifically the flash. And while I do appreciate that, I, my personality is such that like, if I'm in, I'm in, especially with comic book shows. 
like there are some shows that I just never bothered with like Lucifer. And so I'm like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm missing out. No, but the CWDC shows, it didn't matter how bad they got. Like I felt like I was obligated (laughs) to show my support. You understand that like you have, weekly evidence of this for the last 10 years on the internet right i know (laughs) everyone fundamentally understands this (laughs) right but i'm just i'm just reiterating reiterating that uh before i say that one dc show that came up earlier in this episode finally broke me and i was able to make a clean break and not look back and that was smallville I watched Smallville for seven and a half, maybe eight out of the 10 seasons. God. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And I just finally said, enough is enough. I don't care. I don't care. And I stopped. I I made a clean break and I stopped. Yeah. I, I never liked it. I never did. Smallville was a show I hate watched for three seasons. And then people kept telling me, oh, no, it's so good. You, in fact, Joe Patrick was one of them. You got to come back. This season's really good. They're not doing I found I found things to like. There were, there were things to like about it. There were things to hate about it, to be sure. And it just it got to a point where the things I hated about it far outweighed the things that I liked about it. Ugh. And I just, I stopped. Those I, assholes, I couldn't do it anymore. They made us wait 11 years to see tom welling put on the suit for maybe two and a half minutes in well the that was the whole episode. point of the show though screw that it was so dumb and when he did I, I watched it i felt nothing i said i hate you i hate this show i hate the creators like god damn it what a colossal waste of time small i mean the, the the whole the whole point of the show was that like this was him becoming superman and I, you were never going to see him in action but he but all, then like all they would do is like oh it's, he's becoming superman but he's fully superman but no he's not quite superman but he's fully superman right. again here's like things that he would have to be superman to deal with but he's not superman yet you know, like he got to the point where he was actually wearing costumes yes and just not being superman yeah they just uh, kept and yeah, that's about the time where I was it. like, I'm done with this. Oh, hated it. Hated it. Um, so I've a couple answers and one of them, the flash was one of my answers. I've just fallen out of love with it. It's not a bad show. I just don't feel like I need to watch anymore. I feel like they've done everything. And I feel like the same thing can translate to Joshua Williamson's flash run in DC right now. It has become just pure schlock. It's not bad, but every Every issue reads like a Hallmark card. It's so saccharine sweet. And it it just kind of feels like they're trying to borrow some of that sweetness from the show and put it in the comics. And I don't need it there. It works for Grant Gustin's character. And when it works on the show, it works really good. But I, man, Williamson's Flash series, it started really strong. And I really liked him on the book. But now it's just so saccharine sweet i cannot do it see i don't understand what you mean by saccharine sweet it's not like super cutesy saccharine sweet that book is a downer most of the time yeah but it always ends like every and i don't disagree but it's the same thing they're doing in the flash tv series where it's just like well we're sad in this part because it's a sad thing and we all have sad feelings sometimes 
right? But don't worry. This hero, he's going to battle through his sadness because that's what heroes do. And here's four pages of him explaining that when you're in your darkest moment, you've just like, I get it. I get it. Thank you, Joshua. Why don't you do something with the character? Unless I mean, again, you know what a superhero is, right? <laughs> unless again, you're not allowed it's to. Kind of like what superheroes do. Nobody else is wallowing in this crap and then pulling themselves out of it every goddamn issue. I mean, so is that your answer, or you just want to bag on the Flash? No, I mean that is my TV comic answer. I am also rewatching the West Wing. West Wing right now. Casey has never seen it. It is one of my favorite television shows, but there was such a sharp drop off. Like season, I want to say it's the end of season four, basically, where a season four at season four is uh, at the end of season four is when Aaron Sorkin left the show. Right. Sorkin leaves. Rob Lowe leaves as well. Like the soul of the show leaves more or less. And it keeps going. And it's just instantly palpable. I remember like just loving that show. And then season five showed up and I was like, I'm ready. And after one episode of season five, I was like, huh. This is what we're doing. Okay. And it wasn't even like, you know, like the dad walked into the ocean to cure his heart problem. It's just like the soul of the soul of the show died. And I instantly fell out of love. And I'm curious to see what happens to Casey when we get there. See, and I remember like I watched it for the first time through Netflix uh, on like back when I was getting DVDs in the mail. And so, you know, I binged that show and i remember hearing about people hating on it post season four but i never really thought it was bad uh, like yeah different maybe but yeah I'm not, and again i'm not saying bad i just felt like the thing that i loved just kind of went away about like i did miss sam seaborn and it continued and it was like yeah i mean they're doing the dialogue thing and it's still whatever but like eh, without jed bartlett and without sam seaborn i don't know that i care at all <laughs> it just kind of died on me so well i mean bartlett was in it till the end what no he left after he was the president, Matt. No, but he ended up losing and it became the story of Alan Alda running against. Uh, no, he didn't lose. He he had two terms. Oh, that's right. Yeah. His term ended and he would pop up here and there. But then it was Alan Alda and was it Jimmy, Jimmy Smith, baby? Right. Yeah. Who I like both those guys. Miguel lot. Santos. I just didn't care Wait, about the show anymore. Miguel Santos. Something like that. It was definitely Santos. I don't know. All right. We got to get out of here. Joe Patrick, before we do, set us up with a new question of the week. This week's question was submitted by Trevor via the THN forums. Hey, nerds. Was anyone else as underwhelmed as I was when EA revealed their new Star Wars game, Squadrons? It had me daydreaming about all those unfinished titles from LucasArts that Disney tossed down the garbage chute. So my question is, what canceled project from any media are you still dreaming about? Ooh. This is a great question, and I immediately had an answer. So, uh, and uh, I agree. When they announced Squadrons, I was like, eh. Are we saying canceled project? Are we saying it never came into existence or it existed and then got canceled? Like. Like they build, like this I is coming and it never were, happened. Things that were planned and then never happened. Gotcha. So an almost. So not like, so not like, you know, TV shows that got canned after a season. Right. Things that, things that were planned and announced, but then ultimately never came out. Fair enough. Like. DC 5G or whatever, for example. 5G, sure, yeah. That's a good one. You can call us and tell us all about it at 402-819-4894. You can send us an MP3 to 2 Nerd 
at gmail.com. And guys, uh, guys, we do need a question of the week suggestions. So please hit us with those on the forums or the Facebook page or whatever. New questions of those weeks. Right? Yeah, exactly. That's the, what I said. Those weeks. Got it. All right. We'll be here next Saturday to play again. Thank you for playing along, and we will see you this Wednesday on the show where we are going to be talking with Wooly Toots about another Marvel Treasury Edition. This time, or not Treasury Edition, Marvel Movie Spectacular, Willow. And you'll be able to catch another exciting edition of the X-Men Chronological Rewatch. Casey and I just finished X-Men 2000, the first X-Men movie. And I got to say... I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. I, like, I remember revisiting and going, oh, this doesn't hold up. But I, it was fun. <laughs> did you did you remember what happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning? Oh, we talk about that extensively. <laughs> Don't worry. We, we get into that. <laughs> All right, good. That line was written by Joss Whedon, Woo! ladies and gentlemen. It is, it's a real piece of work. So check all that out until you can hear us again this Wednesday. But for now, my name is Matt Bob. My name is Joe Patrick. And this is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off.